Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I went to the lowest low for about a year, maybe a bit more than a year. I was um, suicidal. I was depressed. My drug use got to an all-time low. I went as far as heroin. Um, I was 90 pounds, super skinny, just with the stress of everything that happened, trauma and also drug use. I'd wake up every day, I'd pull my hair out, I'd punch walls, I'd scream, cry, realizing that I was still alive and had to do it for another day. And eventually I was like, all right, I will try anything to, to get better. And I've tried so much that the world had to offer and it didn't work. And he invited me to a deliverance session. And me and my dad went to this deliverance session just outside of Toronto. And it was like the first time that I understood that God was so present and that he was so real and so interested in connection with us. Um, I actually went home that night and had an encounter with the Lord just by myself in my apartment. And that's really where Bryn Elliott's road to recovery begins. Now, she experienced plenty of trauma in her life, but she also managed to find healing and recovery. And today she's able to share her story in hopes of helping others. Through this time, she was able to rebuild her relationship with her father. He also joins us today. His name is Brian Elliott. He's going to share his perspective on things. And the two of them are going to share a little bit about their ministry and 46 Ministries. We're joined today by Bryn and Brian Elliott. They are the co-founders of M46 Ministries. They are a father-daughter team. Dying to live. You, Bryn, have a powerful story, a story that involves abuse. It involves rape. It involves addiction. So much more. Tell us, go back in time and tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, really. It's a story of brokenness in every way, Um, you know, with regards to family, with identity, with um, like friendships, relationships, um, struggling with, I've struggled with addiction um, starting at 12 years old to try to cope with um, some childhood trauma that I had experienced and just like being so young, not knowing how to deal with that. Um, And really the drugs just led me down. yeah, a terrible path. And I didn't really see any way out. I didn't see any hope for my future. I went to rehab at 15 to try to get better. I did so many different kinds of therapy, counseling, drug counseling, interventions, um, anything the world had to offer, essentially, I had tried. And um, yeah, it wasn't till 20 years old when I found Jesus and actually invited him into my life and made him Lord of my life that I was able to, you know, heal from the childhood abuse and um, even the Lord healed, um, you know, the trauma of the the rapes throughout my drug use from, you know, the rooms and the people that, that had put me around and, and even healed me from addiction. So I'm like, I'm two years sober now. um, And I've been walking with Jesus for, two years. That's great. How did you find Jesus or how did Jesus find you? Yeah. um, My dad had started walking with the Lord about three years before that, um, before I did three or four. And he would invite me into prayer meetings. He would invite me into rooms with prophetic people. He would um, try to share things with me, but he didn't push me in. He just allowed me to see what it was like and just kept an open invitation, no matter how I reacted to it, how I responded, whether I was open or not. Um, 
And at first it did not go well. Like I would go to, into these prayer meetings with all of these leaders of the faith, really. And I would cuss them all out. I would slam the door. I would, yeah, I was just a mess. I would go in so high. And, and even with that, that was probably so embarrassing and heartbreaking to see his daughter reacting like that to even something, just even prayer. Um, Cause there was so much going on inside of me that was so against you know, Jesus. And so, um, opposing to that kind of a lifestyle and, um, yeah, eventually he just continued to invite me and I got to the lowest low in my life. Um, when I was 18, me and my sister were best friends. We were always together and we shared the same friend group and everything. And when I was 18, she actually got murdered by people that I thought were our friends. And, I went to the lowest low for about a year, maybe a bit more than a year. I was um, suicidal. I was depressed. My drug use got to an all-time low. I went as far as heroin. Um, I was 90 pounds, super skinny, just with the stress of everything that happened, trauma and also drug use. I'd wake up every day. I'd pull my hair out. I'd punch walls. I would scream, cry, realizing that I was still alive and had to do it for another day. And eventually I was like, all right, I will try anything to, to get better. And I've tried so much that the world had to offer and it didn't work. And he invited me to a deliverance session. And me and my dad went to this deliverance session just outside of Toronto. And it was like the first time that I understood that God was so present and that he was so real and so interested in connection with us, not just, you know, some distant, far off God looking down at us, like not involved in our lives. And um, I actually went home that night and had an encounter with the Lord just by myself in my apartment. And I didn't like change right away. I, I wasn't like perfect after that. It was, it was a process for sure. And it, the Lord gave me, you know, small steps to take that he knew that I could handle. But, um, that was really, I think the catalyst of like, okay, you know what? I want to know this God. I'm, I got so curious to just know him and to be known by him. And, um, and even just that little bit that I gave him, he ran with and just fully transformed my life. So, Brian, what was it like for you to watch all of this and to be a part of all of this? Well, I mean, we had suffered through quite a few years of, of family trauma, uh, just seeing the girls, you know, what they've been through. And uh, and then, you know, the addiction centers the uh so the it was a multi-year walk up until 2019 so it was incredibly painful and i mean we like friends said we threw everything at it that we could uh we threw every resource we could we get the very best centers the very best therapists and we threw um everything that we knew how to do and and it was 2016 where i made jesus lord of my life and that's where i i surrendered my life and my family and that's where God began to, to work in, in my weakness and my brokenness. He began to meet me there. And that's where I started to see things differently. My priorities uh, changed dramatically. Um, and uh, I began to see Bryn differently, too. So instead of seeing her through her behaviors, I began to love and value her as the father does. And that, that was a, a process. It was God fathered me because I had a lot of brokenness from my father and in my life and the traumas. Um, the that's me god's a father to the fatherless and uh so that process of moving into sonship began to change the way i operated it changed the way i lived and i grew up as a christian so i believed in god but i moved way away from the lord and uh but i still labeled myself a christian but when i finally made him lord of my life that's 
when the the belief in God changed to a faith, and then it became active, and then the what I thought was a dead religion became a relationship, and then the yeah everything began to shift, and then it, when Bryn met Jesus, and you know through that connection with Jesus, she got to meet the Father. So even in my shortcomings, because I I still fall fall short, but we were fathered by the perfect Father. So it's a it just started a whole new trajectory. So my hope was in God. Um, and uh, but it, it was it was really tough. And if we weren't connected with a body of believers right through the disappointments, the discouragements, the the ultra low lows. Um, but God was so faithful, even the when Abby was murdered, um, I really thought we were at a, at a already at a low um, in our family. And I was so discouraged and disappointed. And the next day when I opened my eyes, God gave me just such a revelation of Abby in heaven and that revelation of heaven totally uh, overshadowed any loss at the time. I mean, look, of course, there's grief, but just the the intensity of of her position with the father and the joy she was experiencing, the freedom, uh, also revelation of the mercy of God. And uh, so yeah, I just got hit with the peace of God in ways I didn't even know was possible. And, uh, and that really carried me and, and many others through the whole experience. And, you know, and Jesus meets us in his, our suffering and in our pain and and so, yeah, I just began a whole different uh, trajectory in our lives. What was that moment like when Britain's like, okay, I believe and I'm following after Jesus. What was that like for you, Brian, then after years and years of heartache? Well, it was, it was um, a little bit tumultuous. There was like a, oh, thank God, right, that she's with the deliverance. And then right after the deliverance, Bryn goes, dad, the, the voices are coming back. I can hear the voices again. I'm like... And he was, Dad, it didn't work. It didn't work. I just felt like my heart just sunk. And I thought, oh, no, like if this isn't going to work, what is? And so I took her to a uh, to a hotel and uh, just to keep her out of the city of Toronto, just away from where everything had happened. And we were on the second floor and she went to the edge of the balcony. It's just her jump, jump. Right. So she went down and sat on the curb and she convinced me to leave. And uh, so I was I was pretty discouraged and pretty disheartened because she was suicidal and and at that point too, and and then those just that it, it seemed like nothing had changed. Then we we're driving back in the car on the way to Toronto, and I switched lanes. And Bren goes, "Careful, Dad! I don't want to die." And she goes, "Dad, Dad, did you hear what I just said? Did you hear?" What? And we were like, "Oh my goodness!" And and then we uh, went on a road trip across the U.S. just to spend time to get away. And so we went through lots of ups and downs, and um, it was pretty tumultuous. And then Bren and I ended up getting baptized together in November of 2019. So the deliverance was early October, 2019. Then we both got father daughter baptized in November, 2019. And then, uh, Brent was still in a pretty tumultuous place and she had a prophetic word that she would be speaking at a global conference, right. And with cheers and tears and, uh, and we thought, okay, well, you know, that, that, that sounds great. And they gave us hope for a future. And then in December, I was talking to this, the the leader of this conference out of California, and he goes, I want Brent to speak. And I'm like, no, no, you, you, you know, you mean, you mean, you mean next year? And he said, no, in January. And I said, that's four weeks away. And, uh, and so sure enough, Brent ended up speaking and the entire crowd was full of tears and cheers. So the, the prophetic word and the vision played out exactly. That's amazing. Uh, Brent, what was it like? to rebuild that relationship with your dad? It was, I think it was something that like I never would have expected. 
um, we we had a really broken relationship. Like even before I started following Jesus, I would not see him very often. And I it, when I did, I only did when I felt like I had to. And I would go like to his house or to his office or whatever. And I would be there for maybe five minutes just to show my face and then leave again. Um, we couldn't even have conversations before. Like he would try to talk to me and I would just freak out sometimes. Um, and I think there was, there was a lot of hurt and resentment and brokenness, I guess, like even looking back at my childhood trauma, um, and not feeling like I had a safe childhood. And so there was so much pent up anger. And so I, I really never thought that we would have the relationship we do now. And it's so wild how even just walking with Jesus together, we didn't even have to like intentionally look for healing, just walking with Jesus together and um, kind of even su supporting each other in our faith has brought us so close and brought so much healing in itself. And, you know, pursuing Jesus together, like praying together, whatever it is, e even little things, having little conversations about what we're learning or what we've heard or anything or experiences that we're having brought us so close. And, um, and really, I feel like the Lord not only did that, but also transformed my dad into a man of God and into someone that, you know, is not an amazing father. And of course he tried, like everyone tries their best, no one, you know, and even all through my childhood, he tried his best. And I totally see that. But it's different when it's with Jesus and when he has the role model of God, the father to look towards and to follow after. Um, so it is such a beautiful thing. And it's funny now, too, because like I, I really never thought I would say this, but like my dad is one of my best friends now. And so, yeah, it's it's been amazing. It sounds pretty amazing. Freedom from addiction is great. Right. But a lot of people, when they hear the testimonies, they don't understand just like once that freedom from addiction uh, happens, then the real work begins because you have to repair these relationships all of a sudden. And there's a lot of tough stuff to forgive and and move on from. Right. Uh, you wrote your story in a book, Bren, called Dying to Live. Tell us a little bit about the book and what that was like sharing your story. Yeah, I actually, I wrote the book. It was, I think one of the first things I ever really heard from the Lord was that I was supposed to write a book. And I always would joke when I was younger because of all the trauma that I went through, I would joke about writing a book. Um, but I, I said it would be like a true horror story. Hmm. And I was like, my, but it was a joke and I never actually wanted to write. And I was never like a good writer or anything like that. Um, so it was so funny when the Lord told me to write a book, I was like, well, I guess I've been kind of saying this for a while. So, um, but yeah, I started writing really at the beginning of my walk with the Lord. And the first half is, um, just my testimony, my life story. So that part was, it was, it was really cool because I, I didn't know how to write a book and I still did not tell you how to write a book, but I would just sit down with the Lord and pray and, and whatever life memory would come to my mind, I would just start writing about. And I just made a goal of like, OK, I'm going to write a page a day. And sometimes it would flow and I would write more. And sometimes a page felt like a lot. Um, and then I actually wrote the sec. I wrote the whole book in three months, actually. And then I the Lord told me one day to delete the whole second half of my book. And I was not happy about that because I was like, you told me to write a book and I wrote a whole book and now you want me to delete it all. Um, but I deleted it and I rewrote it in a state of fasting 
and I rewrote it about like a year later, a year and a half later after kind of building some history with the Lord. And yeah, and so the second half is really its key learnings and, um, you know, things about like a relationship with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and all of those kinds of things that I wish that I had known sooner. And the things that really opened my heart to the Lord to allow him to transform my life fully. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote it for people who are curious about the Lord, maybe new to the faith, or even I know the response from parents has been really great too. just being able to understand their kids in a, in a different way um, from almost like a child's perspective. And yeah. Why is it so important for you to share your story? Yeah. For a while, I struggled with that because I didn't really want to share it. I didn't. I was like, I don't think it's important for people to know me or my story. I just want to live my life with the Lord. And um, but the Lord did make it really clear that part of sharing testimonies is that, yeah, it well, first, it imparts hope to other people to know that, like, this is what God does. And he is still in the business of, like, transforming people and healing and changing lives. And um but I, I, yeah, I also just think it also fills people with faith to to hear these stories and to see people that have actually, you know, come out the other side that like no one is ever too far gone for for Jesus and for a relationship with him. And um, yeah, so really, I feel like. Yeah, it, it imparts hope and faith to for God to be able to move and do it again. So that's why I should. Now, you mentioned the road trip across the states, baptisms together. Uh, your dad is one of your best friends. You really do everything together, including you started a ministry together now. Tell us a little bit about the ministry, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that uh, we never thought we'd be doing, and uh, we had no intention of, of starting a ministry. And uh, you know, Brim was writing a book, and the Lord put it on my heart to write a book, and then another book, and... Uh, and then it was pretty evident that the Lord wanted to do something in and through us. And like Brent talked about the, you know, the, the testimony of Jesus is really what it's all about. So we started something called M46, which is based on Malachi 4.6 and Isaiah 61. But essentially Malachi 4.6, the key scripture is that God turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So it's family restoration. And uh, interestingly, we were going to launch the ministry on uh may the 2nd and the team needed more time to launch and so they said we need three more weeks and so we were all on a zoom call and we checked we looked at it and it was may the 23rd and then we just were all silent i said that was the day abby was murdered right so four years mm -hmm. to the day bryn's book is launched dying to live the ministry's launched and bringing a story of hope and redemption to the world and now we do blogs and um they're just writing just to equip families and on the power of family and kind of some of the resources and keys that God unlocked in our lives. And uh, so we've got a great team. The website's always evolving. We're involved in a lot of different events. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. And we don't know where it's going, but we're just uh, wherever God takes it. That's always the best way. Uh, so yeah. far, what kind of impact have you seen on the people that have, you know, taken part in your ministry or heard your story or heard your testimonies? Well, it's the greatest tool I've ever had in my hand, Bryn's book. Like Bryn's book mm -hmm. is, it's so raw and real and vulnerable. And then the, how she shares about the faith, like people that are, that have been in the church for 30 years are rereading it, right? Going, wow. 
new believers and uh, or uh, or even people that are atheists are reading it and they're getting rocked by it. And so I've actually bought over 300 copies of it myself. Right. And I've been giving it out everywhere. And uh, so and my mother, too, in New Brunswick, like she's given out 80 copies already. And and so it's just been it's been just wonderful just to see the response to people. But it's it's literally had deep impact um, beyond what we had imagined. What What I love about your stories your willingness to share your stories and book and starting this ministry now right is um like it's really bringing scripture scripture together right uh you know god works all things together for good those who love Amen. him and uh yeah it's just on full display he can take those hard things in your life and turn them into good to help others totally and i think too just the message of hope because uh, as a father like both my daughters experienced 10 years of physical and sexual abuse, right? So I failed as a protector, right? I didn't instill identity into my girls. I lived a life of compromise, multiple divorces. So, I mean, we had a lot of things going against us, right? And then, you know, as a result of all the traumas, addiction took hold. And then I had very little contact with them at, at those points too, when they would go into those realms of darkness. But I think that if if God can rescue us when we're so far down the path, imagine families that begin to align their lives. Fathers that say, look, I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life, right? And then I'm making my family my top priority after God and then my work and then my and then church, right? And really just start to get in um, and begin to love the Lord. And just because the that whole spirit of the Malachi 4, 6, the spirit of Elijah is the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God that transforms hearts and turns hearts. So it's never getting anything to do with us. And it's in our weakness that his power is made perfect, right? So it's just about giving our hearts to him and letting him do what only he can do. So everybody has hope because it's his power, not ours. And for those who may be listening, and even though your dad just said, you know, there's hope for everyone. What about that person that's still sitting there after hearing this story going up? I've got no hope. What would you say to them? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I would just tell them that, you know, Jesus wants to meet you exactly where you're at. You don't need to fix your life, change everything before you come to him. And I feel like that was a misconception that I had too, but that he wants to meet with you in your lowest lows and your darkest times. And and that's actually how you will come up out of it. And so there's no shame in allowing the Lord into those dark places or allowing him to meet you at those lows. Um, yeah. And I think even like, yeah, if, if you can only give the Lord a little bit right now, try and see what he does with it, because really yeah. what you have to lose. Yeah. Well, I think too, Bryn, like when you, Bryn's visiting from uh, YWAM right now in Toronto, when she landed in Toronto, the first text she had was a, a girl in Australia who had messenger and said, I just read your book and it literally just saved my life. Like it's because mm-hmm. uh, she related with the Bryn story. She was my life was even worse, but you gave me gave me that, and and she was all I have the energy to say is you, your book just saved my life. Wow, that's powerful. That's uh, Brian, you also have a book coming out soon. Tell us about that quickly. Yeah, so Bryn's book is from the daughter's perspective, so she shares her life, and then I come in from a father's perspective. And uh, my books, it, it really, so it's my testimony and my story. I just share vulnerably and all my struggle with sin and brokenness and. And uh, in my walk in the faith as God began to shape and form me. And uh, so it's called More Than Gold. And then that's coming out early 2023. And then the next one is called Greater Than Silver. There was just so much to write about. And um, 
and, that, and so the first book is really the foundation of the faith and then the, the next one is really going deeper but it's all threaded with testimony all the way through it and then Brenda and I probably late 2023 or 2024 are doing an apologetics book together and then we've got other things planned as well for those who are interested in hearing more learning about those books learning about Bryn's book how can they go about doing that the easiest way is to go to m46ministries.com and uh, there we've got all the events we're doing there's a lot of online stuff that we've done there's a blog we post each week there's an email mailing list and it's all just full of life and hope and truth thank you so much for your time today thank you Colleen and Mike appreciate it yeah you're very welcome and thank you so much for joining us and for listening today don't forget to subscribe we'll talk to you again on connections